0: What's up Rhodes family? How you doing? How you doing online? Great to have you with us this morning. My name's Chad. My wife Donna, and I are the pastors here. We're on a series we've been really enjoying called Your Story More Than a Post. Just talking about our life, that your life story is more than one event, more than one set of circumstances, more than one snapshot of what's going on in this exact season of your life. There's, there's a whole lot that goes into making up your story. And so we're going to jump right into it today. If you get out your Bibles, you got your uh, sermon notes there and your worship guide, or you can get on your YouVersion Bible app. But let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 9. Woo! John chapter 9. Just happy about the Bible. Happy about what God's going to say to us. And while you're turning there, I just want to take a moment and I just want to pray. Just ask God to speak to us. Father, I just thank you for your presence already. Lord, without you, we're, we're not enough. And so I just need you to... Speak to all of our hearts today. Open up things that we can see clearly, what you want to do in our life. Have this time, God. We pray for living word. Pray for power to come, to do what you've called us to do. Grow us into who you've called us to become. All glory to you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Amen. Your story, more than a post. We've been on this for a few weeks. We started out with... The story of Rahab, we've been taking different characters in the Bible and different stories and breaking them down. We talked about Rahab who went from harlot to hero. And then we went and talked about Legion Larry and uh, had a great top time talking about Legion Larry. And Then we talked about Peter's ups and downs. Last week we talked about Rejection Rita, the woman at the well, and uh, broke down her story a little bit so we can know a little bit about her. Today we're going to talk about a guy who, uh, whose life was changed by what he couldn't see. His life was changed by what he couldn't see. Have you ever ever heard someone uh, having a big reveal, you know, like a gender reveal party? It's kind of a pretty common thing now that we want to have this big announcement posted on Facebook or social media about whether it's a girl or a boy, And and it's really cool. It's interesting. People are getting more creative about it. You know, they're like blowing things up, and either blue smoke comes out or pink smoke comes out or or they're cutting into cakes and it's a blue cake or pink cake or whatever they do. They have balloons or popping balloons. It's all about a big reveal. You know. Maybe, or maybe your, your thing is those makeover shows. You know how they redo the house and they put it behind the screen? And then they pull the screen back and they show you what's there. Well, a reveal is about showing you something or you getting to know something that's already known. It's already there. You just don't know it yet. Like it's already a girl. You just don't know it's a girl. So the gender reveal is like, oh, what is it? When you see the pink smoke, that's not when it became a girl. <laughs> that's when you realized it was a girl. You know, so it's it's that whenever they pull the screens back, the house, the remodeled house didn't just show up. It was already there. You just didn't see it yet. And that's what we're going to talk about. There's some things that God wants to re- reveal in our lives and show us some things. And, and so have you ever had that where you've, You've not known something, it was already there, but you didn't see it yet. And we want to talk about the difference in creating something and revealing something. Creating something is when you make something that didn't exist before, but when you reveal something is when you actually show something that's already created, it's already been there, it was already real, but you just didn't see it yet. And our walk with God, your story more than a post, it's about in our walk with God. It's a whole lot about Him revealing things to us that were already there. It's about revealing good things to us that we didn't know about ourselves. There's some things about you that you don't know that God wants to reveal to you. When I keep doing this, that's my sign language for reveal, I guess. If you're not sure, it's like you take something off of something. It's like voila, it's there. You know. Or we was watching America's Got Talent, and they got these musicians and their are musicians, magicians. Musicians too, but magicians and the They do these things with these magic cards, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. I know I don't necessarily believe in magic, but I don't know how you did that. It's like revealing. But if I knew the secret behind it, then I would know how he did it. So because that wasn't revealed to me, I don't know. And that's what we're talking about. God wants to reveal some things to us. So let's take a look at this in the Bible in John chapter 9. It says here in verse 1, Again, talking about this guy whose life was changed by what he couldn't see. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. All right, you checking with me? Get yourself in the story. You're going to need to be in this story with me. He was blind from birth, never seen anything in his life, had no grid for things that you could see, blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, they said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, the Jews believed That all calamities were the result of sin. So that if something happened, something was wrong, something sickness or disease or blindness in this case, then evidently someone had sinned somewhere to cause it. And that's why they asked the question. Like, Jesus, okay, who sinned that this guy was born blind? His mom, his dad, or him? What happened to that? Has anyone ever spun themselves into the ground trying to figure out why something happened? How many times have we got so caught up in trying to figure out why something happened? What was the cause? What did I do wrong? Right? What did I do wrong to deserve this? What did I do wrong to cause this? You know, this bad thing happened, so what did I do wrong? What is the cause? So we start thinking about the cause and what, what happened, why, 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 and we just spin ourselves in the ground, get all stressed out because we're trying to figure out why. Now, I understand there's a place for figuring out root issues. I understand there's a place for if I keep making the same mistake over and over, maybe there's something I'm not paying attention to that needs to be changed. I get that. But what I'm going to apply today that I think we make a bigger mistake is we spend too much time focusing on the why instead of on the what now. I don't think it's wrong to take a look at the what, but this is what they did. They were like, look, why did this happen? Why, why did this take place? And look what Jesus' response was in verse 3. Uh, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Neither one of them sinned. That's not the cause. But that the works of God should be revealed in him. Jesus takes, an em- takes the emphasis away from the cause and moves it and focuses on the opportunity that the works of God could be revealed. And this is what he's talking about. You ever met those people that they feel like they're experts on diagnosing why your life is the way it is? You got, you got those people that they're great at talking about why something is. Oh, I'll tell you exactly what your problem is. Come here. Here, I'll tell you what's going on. Here, you got this, this, this. That's, that's why you're where you are right there. I guarantee you that's, that's what it is. It's simple as the nose on your face. Come on. That's what's happening. It's, they always want to tell you why. Or something happened, and, and they come back to you with this. Well, I knew, I knew that was going to happen. You didn't know. You're not know, trying to come in on the back end like you know everything is going to happen. Like, you can't ever surprise those people. Like, oh, I know. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised that happened to them. I figured if they, I knew that was going to happen. I knew You didn't know? You know people like that? Just to keep your eyes straight forward. If you're sitting beside them, don't even look to the right or left. But it's what happens. Some people, they feel like it's God's gift, that their gifting in the world is to point out people's faults. And here's what I think. Here's what I found. A cause-focused life. Always trying to figure out the why, a focus on that. I realize there's some application for it, but a cause-focused life can lead to guilt and condemnation. Why am I like that? Cause-focused. But a solution-focused life leads to hope and opportunity. So I don't want to be a cause focused It's not that I don't want to find out what causes are. I, I'm for that. But at some point, you got to get past telling me where I am and tell me where I can go. Too many times in the church the message has been, this is what you can't do or this is what you shouldn't do or this is why you're where you are. You did this and that's where you are. You didn't do that and that's where you are. So this is where you are. All right, there you are. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you're just a sinner, that's why. You're just nobody's righteous, not even you. Okay. So I'm I'm a sinner. Okay, great. Yep, yeah, that's that's it. You're a sinner. Now, now what? What past that? Once I realize that, once I realize that, then give me something to build on. Don't just leave me at worthless wretch of a sinner. I got to have something like, can I, can I get some hope, can, do, I, do I have any opportunity, no, no opportunity for you, you're just a sinner, great, so I got that working for me, which is nice, so this is what, what's happening, there's too much focus on that, but he said, here's why, this is the way it is, he said that the works of God may be revealed, now here's what happens, the word works means the result of someone's activity or what has been done, the word revealed means to make known or visible. So let's read that in that context. Neither him nor his parents, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. The works of God or the activity of God, what God is doing, the result of God's activity, so that God's activity, what God's doing could be revealed in him. In other words, not so that God could start doing something in this man, but that what God is doing in this man could be revealed. Have you ever thought that, God wasn't doing anything in your life only to find out later that he was working all along. <laughs> it's it like, God, what are you going to start moving in my life? Oh, okay, I guess you've been working all along. Thank you very much. Sorry about that. But that's what he's talking about. He's saying, this guy's blind, not so that God can start doing something today, but that you can see on earth, it can be revealed what he's doing all the time. Here's what he's doing all the time he's making blind people see. He's wanting to bring light into this man's life. See, so when Jesus walks across a blind man's path and he says in the Bible that he only do, does what, the, what he sees the Father do in heaven, so he says, okay, Father in heaven, what do you do when you come across blind people? He says, oh, here's what I do, I make them see. So now he begins to partner with the agenda of heaven and bring sight to the blind. And now God was already doing that all the time, bringing, bringing sight to the blind. But now Jesus partnered with him so it could be revealed on earth, God's activity, his activity, his works, so that his works can be revealed. I hope that makes sense to you. It's not so that God can start. Don't be a problem-focused person. Be a solution-focused person. Sometimes, see, like, what if, what if this? If they would have said, hey, Jesus, uh, wh- who sin? This man or his parents? What if Jesus would have said, well, it's because of his sin? What would have changed in that guy's situation? If he would have said, yep, it's his sin, that's why. Ah, okay, that's what I thought. That's what Peter would have said. That's what I thought all along. I'll tell you what. I knew it was his sin. I, just look at him. My Lord, He's, sin's all over him. <laughs> Knowledge gives you the why revelation gives you the what now if he would have left it at yes it's his sin that's the cause okay we've got the why it's him but it would have left him in his state there's a difference in knowledge and revelation knowledge tells me it locates me this is where I am revelation tells me where I can go And that's what the difference is. we got to just not be cause-focused. Why did this happen? Okay, I'm not really sure why this happened, but what now should be my focus? I'm not sure why this didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but what now? What's the opportunity for me to see the works of God in this situation? Or I can just stay and drill down on the why or the why not and just ruin my life. Or I can get up out of that and say there's an opportunity here to see the works of God. That's what he's trying to say to this guy. Go go on to verse 4. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no one can work. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. I must work. That word work there means to engage in an activity involving considerable expenditure of effort. Jesus said this. I must work. I must engage in something with considerable effort. I must work the works. When I read this, and I know I've said it several times there, but I'm hoping you're catching what I did. When I read it, I first read past it, and I went back, and he said, I want you to read that again. And so I read it again. I'm like, moving on. I, w- I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Okay, I'm not sure what you mean by daylight, you know, and, and night is coming, okay, sun's coming down you know, every day, you No, know. I must work the works of him who sent me. And so then the thought came into my mind. Will the works of God work in my life if I don't work them? He said, I must work the works of God. I must engage them with effort. Jesus said, I must engage the works of God with effort on my part. How much responsibility is of mine for me to see and experience the works of God in my life if I don't work them? if I don't engage it, if I don't lean into it, say, okay, God, I'm trusting you're gonna work my life. This is what Jesus said, okay, I'm gonna work the works of God. How do I see the blind man? Here's what happens too many times. Uh, we might come across the guy, blind man say, Hmm, wow, boy, I feel sorry for him. That's too bad. Need something to eat? I'll tell you what, I'll be praying for you. That'd have been a great church answer. But Jesus engaged the works of God and said, blind man, he needs to see. So he engaged the blind man instead of just walking past him. You'll see what I'm talking about here, so let's go on. He says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He's he's the light. So now, what does light do? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. Check this out. Listen very carefully. He who follows me or she who follows me, they who follow me will not walk in darkness. So now the converse is that is also true. He or she who does not follow me will walk in darkness. You see what I'm saying there? He said, those who follow me, they will not walk in darkness. But those who do not follow me will walk in darkness. Why is that? Because it's like following someone in the woods at night. Someone in front of you has got a light. If, as long as you follow them, and they've got the light shining down, you will walk in the light. But if you choose not to follow them and go off the path, you don't, it's not that the light went off, it's that you chose to walk in darkness. When, as long as we follow him, we're going to walk in the light. But when we stop walking in the light, now we're in the darkness. Now how do you walk around in the darkness? You walk around the darkness totally different than you walk in the light. When I'm walking in the light, you know, I see something, I, see, you know, I can walk right around that, no problem. But if it's completely pitch dark in here, and I'm walking around, Oh, okay, ledge. You walk around totally different when it's dark, right? What do you do? You start feeling your way around. You start feeling your way around. And now my feelings lead me because I've lost my sight. Now I start going by feelings. When you lose your sight, the rest of your senses get more sensitive. Now, now, so what happens when we lose our sight, and this is what God spoke to me, when you lose your vision, your God vision for your life, then you start allowing your feelings to lead you through life. Oh, I just don't feel like praying today. I just don't feel like God loves me today. I don't, I don't feel like I'm a Christian today. I don't feel like forgiving them. I don't feel like walking in love. I don't feel, he said, hey, you're going to let your feelings lead you, or you're going to let your vision lead you. This is what he's wanting to restore to this blind guy. He was letting his feelings lead his life, and you get sensitive. So now all of a sudden, I'm more easily offended now because I've lost vision for my life. When I lose God's vision for my life, see, when it's in daylight, I can walk right around this. But when it's darkness, we start stumbling over things that you normally wouldn't stumble over. You start bumping into things you normally wouldn't bump into. Things that other people are bypassing and walking right through in life, all of a sudden we're stumbling over them because we're not following Jesus. Things that I used to navigate easily and get through without a scratch, all of a sudden I'm barely getting by and I'm scraping and hurting myself and and struggling in areas. Why? Because I stopped following Jesus. Don't let our feelings lead us. Get our vision back. The Bible says that where people didn't have vision, they perished. In Proverbs 29, 18, it talks about that, that they just wander around. People where there's no vision, people, people just wander around. They perish. They're, they're trying to feel their way through life. And this is what was happening in this guy's life. So it goes to verse 6. So when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. Come on, you got to read that again. Are you serious? This is in the Bible. This is a great story. <laughs> so when he had said these things, this is Jesus. He is Jesus spat on the ground Jesus spits (laughs) I like to get myself in a story I like to get in there with the characters spat on the ground make clay with the saliva and you annoy the eyes of the blind man with clay so now here's the here's the deal we've got the blind guy who's just a blind man just as a blind man doesn't have a name he's just a blind man that's his identity as the blind man we got to give him a name (laughs) a blind man's got an identity he's a person he's got a story and, you know, I'm just kind of going with this thing. I like the alliteration of the start of the same letter. So I just called him Blind Ben. Blind Benny, whatever you want to call him. Blind Ben. So here's Blind Ben. And Blind Ben sitting by the road, can't see, hasn't seen his whole life. And here's Ben's life. Ben's life is every day setting out and asking for money. Someone give me money. either holds a cup or just holds his hand out or something. Just asking. as he Here people come by. Alms. Alms. Alms for the blind, asking. And notice what happens. It says Jesus came by and spat on the ground. He spat on the ground. Spat on the ground and made some clay. So I'm in Ben's shoes, okay? Spitting, even in our culture, but even more in Hebrew culture, was a sign of disdain and insult. Remember when Jesus was going to be crucified, they spit on him? When you spit on someone... It's not a compliment. When you, when you spit on someone, it's not something that you go, Whoa, thank you very much. That was awesome. Woo, I didn't think you had that much saliva. Boy, you really, oh, that was fantastic. Got a bar of soap or something? I guess just go ahead and wash off. You spit on somebody, it was a sign of disgust. And I'm wondering how many days... Ben had sat there and heard people spit on him or at him in disgust. How many times people walked by that he heard, (coughs) thank you for reminding me that I'm blind. Thank you for reminding me of my condition. Thank you for rubbing my nose in my face that I've got a divorce. Thank you for rubbing my nose in my face that I had a moral failure. Thank you for rubbing my nose in my face that I got pregnant out of wetlock. Thank you for rubbing my nose in my face that I... How many days did he get spit on and it just rubbed his nose in his shame? So I think today when Jesus walks by, he's sitting there alms, and he doesn't, he just hears, you know, he doesn't see, what if... Jesus walking by and all of a sudden he hears You know because Jesus I got to tell you this It says he spat on the ground and made some clay out of mud I've done my fair share of spitting And It's not going to be a cute little spit To make enough clay To put on both eyes To get that to bond together So I'm thinking This is going to be a good spit He had to put some effort into the spit. So I don't know what your perspective is of Jesus. I hope I don't ruin it. But what if? What if Ben's sitting there and all of a sudden he hears... (coughs) Some of you are like, oh no, Jesus would never honk a loogie. No, Jesus... Jesus would not do that, okay? (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) I I don't know if he would or not. I'm I'm not trying to judge Jesus. I'm just saying that would be a great bonding agent to bring that stuff together (laughs) to make some good clay. Back to the story. So you're Ben, and all you do is hear... In his mind, he says, okay, here we go. Let me have it. Okay, thank you. Here's another one. going to remind me of my shame. Here it comes again. I've heard that seven times today already. Go ahead, hit this side, okay? Wash this side off. But he heard the sound. (coughs) He doesn't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, he feels something on his eyes. Whoa, whoa. And it, it doesn't say Jesus said anything, but all of a sudden, he says, oh, shh. And he just puts something on his eyes. He's like, okay, this is weird. What is that he just put on my eyes? And notice what Jesus told him. This isn't a big detailed conversation. He just spat on the ground, made clay, in verse 7, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. Go wash in the pool of Siloam, Sent. All Jesus said, <laughs> spits, rubs clay on his eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam means scent, means to go, means outflow. This is the same, to give you some perspective, this is the same pool where Jesus stood up in John chapter 7 and said, hey, if anyone's thirsty, come drink from me and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water Talking about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7, 37 through 39. Somewhere there. That's what he's saying. This talking about the Holy Spirit. So when he said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, Jesus was saying, I want you to go wash in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to go and allow the Holy Spirit to cause you to see what you can't see for yourself. It takes me, if we had time, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, study it for yourself. How the eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't entered the heart of the man, the things that God has prepared for them, but he has revealed them to us through his Spirit. What's going to open our eyes that we can see the things God wants to see? It's the Holy Spirit. That's what he was saying, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And that's all he says. If I'm Ben... I'm I'm sitting there, and got weird stuff on my eyes, and all I hear, I don't even know who this guy is. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. I'd be like, and? And then what? He didn't tell him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, and you will be able to see. He didn't say that. All he said was, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He sent him in his same condition, not knowing what would happen when he obeyed what Jesus told him to do. Come on, you gotta catch this with me. Will we be able to go wash when Jesus tells us to go wash and we don't know what's gonna happen? The whole time he gets up to find the pool of Siloam, can somebody direct me towards the pool of Siloam, please? I gotta go wash this junk off my face. The whole time he's going, he's still blind. We wanna be healed before we go wash. We want to know we're going to be healed before we go wash. When he says to you, I want you to go and I want you to apologize to that person. And I want you to go and put in your application. And I want you to sow this seed into this person. And we got to be able to follow Jesus' instructions when all we have is go wash. All we've got is go wash. We don't have, hey, go wash, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to go wash in this pool, and when you wash it off your eyes, you're going to be able to see, so hurry up, go do it. He didn't say any of that. All he said was go wash. I would want to know the rest of the story. Does anybody else want to know the rest of the story? When God gives you an instruction, you're like, I need to know what's going to happen when I do what you tell me to do. But that's not walking by faith. That's walking by sight. So the whole time he's got to feel like an idiot. I'm going towards this pool. I've got this junk on my eyes. I don't know what it is. And I don't even know what's going to happen. I've been in that pool before. I know what the pool is. What's going to be the big deal about me washing it off my face? So he goes. And look what happens at the end of that same verse. He says, So he went and washed and came back seeing. He went and washed and came back seeing. Notice he came back seeing. He didn't go seeing. Sometimes when we go to obey what God tells us to do, we're only going to see the results of it after we do what he told us to do. How I many have ever done something you didn't see what God was trying to do on the front end, but on the back end, hindsight is 2020. 20. All of a sudden, afterwards, you're like, oh, I tell you what, I knew it all the time. I knew God was going to come. You didn't have any idea what he's going to do. You know? But now at the end, you're like, I didn't know it was God. You know, we got some great stories in our lives sometimes because we can't see on the front what God's doing, but if we will obey God, has anybody ever walked more than a day with God and you had to do something, you didn't know what the benefit was going to do, but after you did it, all of a sudden you saw God moving. He revealed it. He was working all the time. You came back seeing even though you went blind. We've got to go blind by faith into obeying God and so we can come back seeing the glory of God on the other end of it. We had a video testimony we're going to show you today of an individual in our church, our body, our family who did that very same thing. She went into something a little bit blinded, not knowing how it was going to turn out, but at the end of the story, she sees a whole different picture. Check out this video.
1: I'm Casey Chapel, and this is my story. In September 2017, I went to a regular doctor's appointment with my gynecologist, and she did an exam, and she had felt something, so she did an ultrasound and said that I had a cyst on my right ovary. So I went in for the surgery and woke up thrilled, and that's when my doctor came in and said that she didn't remove my right ovary or the cyst that was on it because I didn't have one, but I had a large mass behind my right ovary. I thought it looked like it might be cancerous. So I started asking God, you know, what what have I done wrong? And he he spoke to me and he showed me that that I hadn't done anything wrong and I wasn't at fault and that he loved me and so I promised him that night, you know, I said, God, I said, I promise that I'll tell my story, uh, our story, because I believe that things are going to be fine and you're going to walk it out with me. After that, I went for a CT scan that showed things that looked a little bit better, Um, but my doctor had said, you know, it just, she hadn't seen anything like it before and They sent me for a biopsy. The biopsy doctor had told me that he was gonna drain it, so I thought it was gonna be over that day. Once he got done, I asked him if he had drained it, and he said no, that it was solid, Uh, and he said he had never seen anything like it, and then he just kind of walked off. So at that time, that's when he had told me that it was impossible um, to remove, and that's what he had noted in my chart, that it was impossible to remove. So what the doctor had said was impossible, God said it's possible, and so she walked me through the procedure and said that we would probably have to shave my uh, pelvic, bone said that we would probably go ahead and take out some of my rectum so I went in for the surgery and on the way up I uh, actually I'd been praying you know that I needed peace I needed help I knew that I wasn't going to be able to just walk in that hospital and just let them do what they needed to do without God and so that day we went up and I couldn't eat or drink I had to take medicine all day long and we would got to the hotel and and the next morning I got up I got ready, I never cried, I never felt worried, and it was such a peace that I'd never felt before. And it was God, he was He was there with me then, he was all over me, and how I, how I was able to do it was with him with me, and he had promised it, and there he was, he had showed up when I needed him the most. So I woke up from surgery, no pain at all. My surgeon actually had told the family and myself that she wouldn't call any surgery perfect, but mine couldn't have came any closer to that. And so instead of shaving my pelvic bone or removing uh, anything else, it just peeled out. She said, for whatever reason, and she didn't know, it just, they were able to go in there, you know, pretty much with their hands and just peel it away. So my surgery was hours less than it should have been. And I knew, and, and some people will hear the story and they're like, well, that's how it was the entire time. And for me, I don't believe that. I believe that God did a work in my life. I believe he did a work in my body. I believe that he changed the circumstances for me. I believe that he took the impossible, and he made it
0: possible, and I believe it. Amen, amen. Come on, give God praise for that. Took the impossible and made it possible. Notice how she started out thinking that why, what have I done, what's my fault, looking for the cause, and God said, it's not about the cause, it's about the opportunity for me to show myself strong in your life, and that may be the same for you. It's what he's trying to do for Ben as we finish up Ben's story. He came back, seeing. Therefore, his neighbors and those who had previously had seen, who seen that he was blind, said, "This is not this he who sat and begged." Some said, "This is he." Others said, "He's like him." He said, "I am he." Therefore, they said to him, "Well, how were your eyes open?" They didn't even recognize him. His life had so much had changed. He was blind, but now he could see. They said, "Well, he looks like him. Yeah, he, he look, He's similar. There's a resemblance, I can say, But it's, it can't be him." Because this guy can see, and Ben's blind. Ben's always been blind, and Ben will always be blind. Have you ever ran into anybody that has told you in your story that you've always been this way and you'll always be this way? Well, I'm telling you, one encounter with Jesus, and it can change your whole story. Don't let somebody label you that this is the way you've always been and this is the way you always will be. Not when you come into contact with Jesus, one encounter with him, and he can begin to change where you can see things you never saw. They said, how are your eyes open? Verse 11, he answered, it said, a man called Jesus made clay, hocked a lugi and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I did, that's not in the Bible, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received sight. Jot this down. You need to know this for our journey with God. Here's one of the things that we, do, we fail to realize sometimes in our life in verse 11. Notice the progression for how he received. He went and washed and he received his sight. He did what he could do and trusted God to do what he could not do. I went and washed and I received. We want to receive before we go and wash. I went, I washed, I received my sight. So now, then they said, where is he? Verse 13, they brought him to the Pharisees. Because it, verse 14, it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay. Jesus had the audacity to actually heal this guy on the Sabbath. That was a big no-no. You don't do healings on the Sabbath because it's like work. They had a couple laws that Jesus broke. This kind of weird. is flaky. But Jesus broke a couple laws when he healed. Number one, he ma- when he made the clay, clay was used to build things. And so the Pharisee says, because you're using a building agent on the Sabbath, you're breaking the Sabbath. And then the other thing, they actually, Jews actually believe that spittle was used for medicinal purposes to help diseased eyes. I always wonder why did he spit in the eyes? Because there's another place that he actually spit directly on the guy's eyes, not made in the mud, but just spit on them. That would have been awesome, you know. Anyway, I won't recreate it for you, but I want to. But anyway, so they actually believed that spit was medicinal for eyes, and they were not allowed to use medicine on the Sabbath. So because he spit on the Sabbath, that was using medicine. So these guys were really, really uh, encouraged and wanting to help people a lot. So look at verse uh, 16. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such things? So there was a division among them. They got caught up on how something was done instead of what was done. Have you ever had trouble receiving something from God because you had trouble receiving how he wanted to do it for you? Or who he wanted to do it through? Is anybody with me that God wanted to do something in your life and you wanted to tell him how he needed to do it for you? Well, God, here's how I want you to do it right here. Sometimes he wants to do something in your life and it's gonna be outside of your boundaries of what you want him to do or how you want him to do it. And that's what they got hung up on. So they said to the blind man again, what did you say about him? Because what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he's a prophet. And the Jews didn't believe concerning him that he had been born blind. They were convinced he couldn't have been born blind. He couldn't. Until they called his parents, called mama and daddy in, who had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then does he now see? So he brings mom and dad in and says, hey, is this your boy, and was he born blind? So here's their answer. And they said to him, his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. There were three degrees of being put out of the synagogue. Number one, the minor infraction was you get kicked out for seven days. Number two, a little bigger deal, then you get kicked out for 30 days. But the third one, the most severe, is called cursed or death. Death. Is that if they excommunicated you from the church, from the synagogue, then you were permanently removed indefinite amount of time. You could not come back to church. And not only that, but you were to be considered dead to people. No one could talk to you, no one could buy anything from you, and no one could, you could not sell anything to anyone. You were considered as dead to the community. And this is what they said. Whoever says that Jesus is the Messiah, you get the third degree burn. You're out. Socially, church, you're out. Nobody's gonna talk to you. Nobody's gonna eat with you. Nobody's gonna buy anything from you and nobody's gonna sell you anything. So they'd already said, whoever says that. So this is why his own parents, Ben's own parents rolled over on him. His own parents sold him out. Why, because they were afraid that they would be isolated. How would you like to have your own parents? You had this wonderful miracle. You were born blind your whole life, and now you can see. And now your parents, instead of standing beside you and supporting you, turn away and leave you hanging high and dry. This is Ben's story. We wanna just stop, hey, he got to see. Well, Ben's story isn't over just because he got to see. Bible doesn't say what happened to Ben's life it doesn't say how he functioned it doesn't say how he lived every day it doesn't say that what he did for a job it doesn't say how he ate all I know is this is everyone treated him as though he were dead from that day forward fast forward jump down to verse 35 25 sorry 25 they ask him they ask him again hey say give glory to god we know this man is a sinner in verse 25 and he answered and said to this whether jesus is a sinner or not i do not know but one thing i know that though i was blind now i see i want to encourage somebody don't let what you don't know about your circumstance discourage you or disqualify what you do know he's like they said this this guy's a sinner so he can't be good Ben was like, yo, (laughs) I'm not sure about his theology. I'm not sure about his doctrine. I'm not sure if he's pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. I'm not sure where he stands on water baptism. I'm not sure where he is on speaking in tongues and all that. I'm not sure about all that. Here's what I know. I was blind, but now I see. A person with an argument is no match for a person with an experience. You can tell me I shouldn't live the way I live or you can tell me I shouldn't believe the way I believe, but once I experience something, you can give me all your arguments you want, but Jesus changed this boy's life. I know I was blind. And I don't see everything. I don't see everything. There's still areas. God showed me an area yesterday. Yesterday, where are you? I was blind. God shined the light on it. And the reason he's showing the light on it is because he wanted to show me the way out. He doesn't shine the light, just saying so go, "There, there you are, there, there." He shines the light so I can see clearly as he walks me out of it and shows me a better way to live. I was Ben. You were Ben. But when the light comes, you can see. So Jesus finds him, verse 35. He'd been kicked out of the church. He's been excommunicated from the community. And Jesus finds him in verse 35. And he said to him, Ben, do you believe in the Son of God? Ben answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Ben, remember when Jesus told him to go wash, he couldn't see. He didn't recognize Jesus when he saw him. He had never seen him before. All he had heard is... "Mm -hmm." Never seen his face. So when he stands before Jesus, Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of God? Ben's life had been so touched He said, where is he? I'll worship him wherever I want to believe in him He said, right here Ben I'm the one who healed you I'm the one that you need to put your faith in He believed and he began to worship him And notice what Jesus said For judgment I have come into this world That those who do not see may see And that those who see may be made blind Here's what God wants to speak to our hearts today Every single one of us watching online or here in the auditorium, we are blind in areas of our life. We don't like it. We don't want to be. But there's things you don't see about yourself that you need to see. There's things that are holding you back that God wants to shine the light on today so that you can walk out freely. There's areas of our life that we just don't see clearly because of issues, because of something that's happened. And I believe right now God wants to show us all where we're blind. Because he said, I've come for those that are blind that they may see, that they will be able to open their eyes and see their life from a different perspective.